Welcome back, everybody. It's another episode of Touched by a Horse. I'm your co-host, Chris Angel. I'm here with today's host, Lauren Mond. Lauren, hello again. Good to see you. Hello again, Chris. Nice to see you, too. My Seattle friend. We're, you know, just um, miles apart. <laughs> just miles apart. Would so you say close Seattle? to so far. You, do you, you're actually in Redmond? Are you actually in I'm Redmond? In, I'm currently in Redmond, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got it. Yeah, it's so good. Well, we have a juicy topic. I mean, before we hit record, we were getting some really... Uh, profound and juicy things which I'm excited to um, unpack with you. So let's talk about inclusion. We're talking about inclusion, but where does this whole story start? Because, and why is this on your mind? On my mind for a couple of reasons. One, because I'm, I'm working with another author right now and helping him out with some research for his next book. Mm. Um, and so it's part of like, it's part of my, my day-to-day awareness right now. Mm. Um, it's also just, it's, it comes up a lot with, with people I'm meeting, with movements I'm a part of, um, and also very personal work as well. You know, just the, the, who am I kind of work that we all do on an ongoing basis. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even we can start, um, out in the, the outer circles of inclusion or, or the, the public and the conversation of inclusion with the public. And then, because I do think that then we can boil it down in our conversation to individually, there are these things about where do I fit, yeah. um, right, et cetera. But, but let's start out here in the bigger conversation. What's, what okay. are you seeing there right now about inclusion? So for me, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm seeing diversity as a kind of a corporate concept. I, I, I'm seeing it lose its shine a little bit. Um, and the notion of inclusion coming in. So, so part of it is an awareness, a growing awareness in the corporate world around being mindful, being human, you know, having emotional intelligence and realizing that um, we can't just focus on representation, that we actually have to focus on inclusion and bringing people into the conversation, um, bringing them into um, the, the everyday of how we do our businesses. And so, you know, and, and honestly, when you look at a lot of the diversity initiatives, they haven't really moved the dial much in the last, you know, 20 odd years. It's, you know, you're still seeing women underrepresented. You're still seeing people of color underrepresented. So we've been focusing on representation without necessarily making any shifts. Mm. Um, and I think culturally, for organizations to start thinking a little bit more broadly and thinking about inclusion as a concept, you know, how do we, how do we make it a safe place for people to be who they actually are? You know, I, I saw um, somebody on, on Instagram, HR Uprise is actually somebody that I follow on, on Instagram, great mm-hmm. feed. And um, they posted a quote from somebody who said, it's all well and good to bring your whole self to work, but, me bringing my whole self to work can get me fired. Mm, And to realize that, you know, is the reality for so many people still and almost increasingly sometimes. Mm. So how do we, how do we help move that dial? Right. Cause that, if we we're starting to see that if we drive inclusion, the diversity can then naturally flourish. I like, so I'm hearing a distinction already and I don't don't think I've, um, thought of it this way, but diversity to your point is about representation. I really like that, right? Like somebody is represented that is different than me. And that's different than inclusion. What I'm starting to hear you say or um, allude to in, in inclusion is that 
there is this um, diversity. You just have to show up and be different than me and, and mission accomplished. But in inclusion, there's actually maybe a, a, an opening for communication where a, I see you, you see me, and it's all okay. Is that? And, and an acceptance, right? Um, and I think something that I've become really, really aware of lately is how, how much more it sits with those of us who hold privilege, mm. right? To, to the responsibility, the accountability to shift these conversations and to drive inclusion and to invite in mm. people who are different from us, right? Yeah, right. Um, whether that may be that may be a different culture, a different color, a different gender, a different whatever, um, different ideology. Um, but the important thing is, you know, people underrepresented people are having to fight for their voice, which is ridiculous. We are the ones who should be stepping up and saying, "Hey, I'm sorry, I haven't given you a voice." Mm. You know, let's, let's encourage that now. Yeah. Um, so, so for me, it's, it's really kind of looking at, at all of these movements, right? The Me Too, the Black Lives Matter, all of these, these movements, um, Time's Up, and, and really saying, this is a two-way conversation. On one hand, you've got people fighting for rights and for fighting for their voices, you know, fighting for the rights of, of themselves and others, because I include non-human animals in this whole conversation too. Yeah, sure. um, but then it behooves those of us in the dominant culture, the dominant ideology to step forward and meet halfway. Mm. And I don't think we've been doing that. I don't yeah. think we've been doing that enough, even when we have. And so mm. bringing in that, that like, what is inclusion, right? How do we, how do we right. all belong? How do we all learn to accept and to, yeah. to value each other? I, so for the sake of, uh, not controversy, <laughs> but for the sake of what might be on the minds of people, I like, in concept, I'm like, that's great. Like, that's amazing. And then in the background, the some part of me goes, that's inconvenient. And I have something else I need to work on right now, right? I have a goal. I got a place I'm trying to get to. I don't have time to stop and be like, hey, do you want to join the conversation? If you want to join it, just join it. Like there's this stuff. And I think this happens. I don't think this is, um, I'm being very transparent and open for the sake of the conversation, right? That, that um, in a work setting, because I know you do a lot of work with businesses, yes? Yeah, yeah. I think that it similarly businesses can be like, look, we got to go somewhere. So this conversation of inclusion can feel like a distraction to where it is we're trying to build momentum to. And so I want you to speak to that. I want you to speak into like, what, like how does inclusion actually help me get to where we're trying to go? It accelerates it. It accelerates it. The research shows that companies that, that high trust companies, right? So, and you have to have trust to build inclusion in my opinion yeah. high trust companies outperform their peers by by double digits consistently mm -hmm. right um companies that have um and i'm going to use the diverse word right companies that have more diverse leadership right mm -hmm. outperform at least double digits companies that are that include differently abled people particularly outperform their peers by triple digits yeah 
So this is not just, you know, look, innovation is never convenient. Right? <laughs> innovation is <laughs> never convenient. Yes, touche. Well done. Yes, <laughs> so, well said. Yes. You know, it, and so we've got to think about that, right? I mean, when Henry Ford invented the, well, he didn't, I don't know if he invented it, but when he, when he was responsible for the adoption of the motor vehicle, yeah. right? That disruption yeah. that was highly inconvenient for a lot of people. Right. 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 But it changed the world. Yeah. Right? Yes. When we, when, when we start to step up and say convenience matters less than progress, Right. Hey, going to the gym is inconvenient. Ah. <laughs> Getting healthy is inconvenient. Making good choices food-wise is inconvenient sometimes, and it behooves us. I think too. I think, um, and you know, push back if you want to on this. I feel like in in the space of inclusion, when when others feel safe to be heard and bring their best self, there's a lot of people. I say. What's true right now is there's a lot of people showing up to work and they're not, bring, they're not being their best self. They're trying to fit in a box because that box is culturally acceptable. They're like, this is what doesn't get me fired. Yeah. So this is how I'll behave. But yeah. if they're really going to bring who they fully were, um, that new ideas would actually, like new things would be born. New things would be created, right? That's exactly. Innovation. Yeah, that's innovation. I mean, how much, how much, how many conveniences in our, in our day-to-day lives were created for a small population. Yeah. You know, I mean, just even if you take into account uh, a professional population like astronauts, right? Right. right. Well, we have Velcro. We have, you know, all sorts of incredible innovations that were designed for a very small population mm-hmm. and then found off-label use. Right. So I think this goes to, to process. It goes to, to products. When we start to look at how can we design our businesses more inclusively? How can we design our products more inclusively? It doesn't necessarily mean that we have to say, how do we, how do we try and boil the ocean, right? We can, we can niche down, we can focus. And it's, there is always unexpected benefit. So, yeah, I, I think that's a big deal for me too, is just to think about that and to think about, you don't know. I mean, that's the whole point of innovation, right? You don't know what's possible until right. it happens. Right. And then you realize that, well, and then that extrapolates on itself. I would, I would even say that any sort of innovation breakthrough, um, world-changing ideas, world-changing companies, like to some level, there has to be, all of that is self-expression. Like somebody somewhere had an idea and felt free to pursue the idea that was a self-expression for them. And, and if we as companies or even cultures, societies can embrace or encourage self-expression, that we're opening ourselves up for innovation faster than 100%. if we try to squeeze it or keep a lid on it all. Exactly. And we have to realize that it has to, we, we have to create that safety for people to mm. be who they are, right? And to bring yeah. the different pieces of themselves into that conversation. Okay, this is great. This is great. I want to transition to the individual for a second because I feel like in order for, let's say I'm a CEO of a company and, mm. and I'm hearing this and I'm like, yes, I really want, the conclusion makes a lot of sense. But in order for me to feel, in order for me to create a safe environment, I actually have to feel safe. I have to know what safety feels like. I have to know what that experience is. And I think that's a human condition. That's not a diversity experience that's a human experience of feeling safe and knowing myself etc do you, 
you do more of that kind of work than I do. Is that true or? I believe so. I do. Um, you know, I think even, even if we're in a position of great privilege where we're not feeling threatened, right? right. Um, I think any, any change in and of itself is why do you think change initiatives are hard, right? Because right. They, they, they activate a primal fear. Yeah. They activate that fear of change, mm-hmm. that fear of, of, I mean, anything. If, if I anything. am the most privileged person in the world, right, with the power and the, the everything else that comes with it, mm-hmm. I'm still, I still have something that I'm afraid of. Right. Absolutely. If, if somebody challenges that, that privilege, right. I'm then afraid of irrelevance. I'm afraid of losing my power or whatever. Right. So, yep. so I need to get comfortable with that. I need to get comfortable with being, being challenged and being afraid and, and having that existential moment of, I, I don't know who I'm going to be at the end of this. I don't know who I am right. going to, to become. I don't know what I'm going to lose, right? right? Because right. we always focus on what we're going to lose rather than what we're going to gain, right? So part of my job is to help people remember that, right. that there's so much to gain here yeah. and, and change is not always loss, you know, and loss is not always loss. Yeah. Loss can be growth. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I think yeah. to, to, I have to understand what it feels like to, to embrace that fear, to accept it, right. and then to find a place of safety right. from which I can move forward, right? So then that, yeah. in turn, hopefully will give me some empathy for somebody else who may be feeling unsafe in a different way, right? right. Because maybe they are currently not safe. Right. Um, I'm looking at, at potentially sacrificing some of my comfort which makes me feel unsafe or doesn't make me feel, but can, can cause me to think that I'm going to be unsafe. Right. Yeah. So, so maybe there's some empathy that can be derived there. I think the circumstances are different, but I think the human condition or the, the real lizard brain of it all, the primal nature of it all is the same. It's something's threatening my current safety or reality or, or what, how things are. And yeah. to change is is would could threaten that, and so that's why I feel like the work that you that you, Lauren, do with people, I, I don't think until I don't think you can. I, well, you push back on this too, but I don't know that you can create change with inclusion corporately. I think you have to change it individually, and then it spreads corporately. I think because it can't be an initiative. I think if, if it's an initiative, then I think people then I think people on the outside say, "Yes, this is what we're going to do." But inside, they still have their fear and if they haven't dealt with that, they, there's some place they'll put the brakes on. Yeah. If it goes and and they may not even know that they're putting the brakes on, right? Perfect. Because yes, this, is totally. the, this is this is the 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 nature of of our biases. This is the nature of some of our fears and our unfinished business is that it's outside of our awareness. Yeah, totally. So Yes, I totally agree with you. When things like initi- or diversity or inclusion become initiatives, yeah. frequently and, and particularly if they're driven out of, say, HR, they don't tend to bed in. They don't tend to take, right? Because they're being imposed. They're not, yep. it's like any change, right? If you tell me to do something, mm. eh, maybe I'll mm. do it, but I'm not committed, right? I may, I may do it. Right. But if I decide to change, mm. I'm committed. Right. So I think you're right in that we have to address this on an individual basis. We also have to address it on an individual basis of, you know, 
this leader's unfinished business or this leader's um, unconscious biases or fears may be different from this leader, right? right. So right. Each, each, each individual person involved mm. has opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And I think, really. I mean, ultimately we all, we all want to belong, right? We all want to yeah. feel safe and belong mm -hmm. regardless of whether we're in our own tribe or whether we're visiting another tribe, we still want to feel safe and we still want to feel like we belong. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Well, so tie this together for me with some of the gestalt work that you do, because I know like, I think if, if change and innovation is really going to happen, it has to start at an individual level. I think we can have a group, a, a, a a cultural conversation together about it. But I think that real change happens when we individually start to heal and get clear about um, what's there for us, which is some of the work that you do through your Gestalt coaching. Exactly. Yeah. And I believe that Gestalt lends itself so beautifully to this work hmm. simply because of the fact that, you know, when you're working on it, through a gestalt methodology, you're working with the background and the foreground, right? You're working with what is, what is the reality that we're, that we're in, the scenario, the situation, the experience. But then we're looking at the background, the, the stuff that's out of our awareness. And when we look at, you know, the parallel of, you know, maybe I'm dealing with, with something, any kind of personal growth, there's going to be something out of my awareness when I'm looking at shifting a cultural conversation around inclusion, there are biases that are out of our awareness, right? Yeah, right. So even if I think of something, I don't know, let's just think of something like, like mm. our affinity bias, right? We, we feel more comfortable with people like us. That's sure. great. Right. Sure. But if you say to people, make a list of all of the attributes of the people in your inner circle of safety, right? Of, of the people that are most like you mm. and then make a list of attributes of people who are outside of that circle mm. that you may want to bring in. That's, that's actually a more challenging exercise for people than you would mm. think. Mm. Yeah. Because you're like, what is outside my circle? You know what? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and then having somebody say, well, what about, you know, this, you know, maybe this person has a different political view or ideology and they're like, Oh yeah, I don't want that in my circle. Yeah. But what about that might be valuable in your circle? Mm -hmm. So, wow. yeah. So I think sometimes we, mm -hmm. we don't know what we're not aware of. I'll give right. you an example. I actually was talking to somebody about this yesterday when I was a, a little young recruiting manager, I had, uh, I had somebody join my team that I did not consider as a, a strong performer. Mm. And my manager took me aside one day and he said, Lauren, why don't you trust that guy? Mm. And I said, I beg your pardon? Of course I trust him. He's my employee. Mm. And my manager said, no, you don't trust him. And it's written all over you. Mm. Wow. Whenever this poor guy comes into your office, your mm. body language is so eloquent. And it was completely outside of my experience, right? Mm. I, I had no awareness that this was happening. Mm. And so when he said that, I had to really think about it. And then I had to be aware in wow. the moment when I'm interacting with this person, wow, what am I showing up as to, to him? But also what's coming up for me? Why is, why am I showing up as this, as not trusting this person? Like, yeah. why does it look like that? And so I had mm -hmm. to do some introspection. I had to do some work. 
um, yeah, and yeah. think about, okay, what, what that might be, because it wasn't anything about this person at all. It was from memory, something that, that this person reminded me of. Yeah. Right. That was completely unrelated. So of course it's not fair to not trust him, mm. but mm. because it was outside of my awareness, there I was projecting all over this poor guy. And mm. until I became aware of it and I could address it and then go back to that old trigger and, and decharge it. Uh-huh. Right. And then re-engage and have a different conversation and a different relationship with my employee, mm. you know? And so That's thank great. goodness my manager, you know, was somebody who could yeah. have a conversation with me about that. It's a great point too. To the, I mean, just to, the thing about that is, is that you rarely can see your own, biases or your own stories you so often need someone outside to (laughs) show it to you to point it out to you kindly Kindly, right yeah right right which is so important i mean again to the to the point of inclusion and if there really is going to be change right for the sake of inclusion to the benefit of what inclusion provides then it's going then we are going to have to point it out for each other and it's and i think again to your point it says it's a personal journey um to bring that into the world right and that's also safety right i mean Hmm. you have to feel safe enough to be able to say to a colleague or even a manager hey i don't know if you're aware of this Hmm. but here's what i'm noticing yeah that's good because i think wounded people i mean well i mean i think we all have our wounds but people who haven't healed or or can't be with their wounds then when somebody points something out that feels like you're wounding me and now i'm digging in my heels again on any sort of change. I don't want to hear that if what, and I think that's, if we go back to race right now, I think there's a huge thing of like, you know, privilege, white privilege. Uh, Fragility. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to be wounded. And I, when you say it's my fault or when you say it's, I'm the bad guy or all these things, it has how it gets interpreted. And so it feels like a wound. And so I dig my heels in and then it limits the possibility of inclusion because I haven't dealt with my own. Yeah. 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 And and how do we make it safe? Like, I mean, as a white person, right? How, how do I personally take accountability Mm -hmm. to make it safe for myself to receive that information and that, Mm -hmm. and, and to be accountable for it, to say, Mm -hmm. wow, you know, that really, I I feel really defensive when I hear that. I feel really defensive and I need to listen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so I need to learn to provide compassion to myself so that I can stay open and not get defensive and not close those conversations down. Right. Right. Because I can't possibly make it safe for other people if I don't listen, if I don't participate and if I don't accept, you know, Hey, I may not be the person perpetrating a particular act, Mm. Mm -hmm. but I benefit from the structure and the process and the society and all of that that is being built on people of my ilk continuing to to perpetrate those acts. So I have to be accountable for that. I have to be part of the change. Mm. And I I have to heal and create safety for myself so that I can then listen heal outwards, heal back up the generations. That's the other part of this work, right? The, the gestalt work is I'm not just working on me. 
Mm. I'm working on, I'm working epigenetically mm. back up through the, through the line and forward down the line. I am going to be a good ancestor if I can heal, mm. if I can create positive change in the world. Mm, that's so good. It's so, so on an energetic basis, I'm, I'm going backwards and forwards on the time continuum, but I'm also going backwards and forwards on the, on the, on the, the human, the human DNA spectrum, right? Ultimately, wow. as we shift, as we heal, we're creating healing for future generations. Yeah, it's really good. I heard, yeah. um, it was years ago, I heard Gary Zukoff say about real power comes from aligning the personality with the soul. Like when there's alignment between the personality and the soul um, is where you get to have ex uh, real power. And I think sometimes what happens in corporate cultures or just is, just in humanity is that there is our soul and then there's our ego. And when our, pers our personality or our ego um, is the thing that is wounded. The soul isn't wounded. The soul doesn't. The soul doesn't get wounded by something you say to me. The soul can be just be in love about it all. But the ego or the personality, I think, can get offended, wounded, hurt. Yeah. But when you can heal that, and I think this is what's so beautiful for the work that you do. When you can heal that, um, all of a sudden there's some there's a new possibility that's available um, for people. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm so glad that this is the work that you do in the world. Um, it's so cool. I mean, Me I, I know, right? Uh, it, inclusion has come up. Like that's on my radar lately as a, as a thing that's happening in the world. Yeah. And that, um, but I hadn't thought of on the heels of this conversation, I hadn't thought of um, that real change in that is going to happen when people um, deal with themselves and find a safe place for themselves. And I love that yeah. you get to usher that in through yeah. your work. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it is my soul calling. I love it. How do people, uh, if people want to work with you, um, how do they do that? Is it, do they call you? Do they reach out to you on Facebook? Like how do, does that happen? They can email me. They can reach out to me on Facebook. Probably Facebook's easier just because I'm on it every day and you'll, you know, hop on my Facebook page and you'll see kind of yeah. conversations that I'm starting, uh, thoughts that I'm having, things like that. And, you know, if that resonates with you, then send me a message and I'll reach back out and we can have a conversation. And you do one-on-one -on -one work, but you do you also do corporate work or teamwork, work with teams? I do. Yeah. So I do one-on-one -on -one work, private clients, and I, I love working with teams. I love working with small teams, yeah. either with my horses or without, um, you know, I, I think I have corporate in my DNA. I, I, <laughs> I'm one of those people who, who, I didn't become an entrepreneur because I was disenfranchised with the corporate world. Yeah. Mm. I became an entrepreneur so that I could help the corporate world mm. get better. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's beautiful. So good. Um, so your Facebook page is what, what is, where can they, how do they find you? It is facebook.com forward slash Shamwari coach. Shamwari coach. That's S H A M W A R I. That is right. Yes. Look at me, Lauren. <laughs> look at me. Shamwari coach. Okay. Got it. So facebook.com forward slash uh, Shamwari coach and that's your Facebook page. They can like it. They can also look at your, look at your content message you from there. Everything. Yep. Yep. Or they can go to laurenmorn.com. So I'm there too. You, and just, I, I know that you, before we record, you had offered maybe to send people the chat. You, you were an author in this touched by a horse anthology series, the third, third book in the series. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, and you wrote a chapter and, and if people want that, you can send it out in an ebook an electronic format. I can do that. Yes, I can. So they just message you through Facebook, through your Facebook page. Yeah. I had somebody just read the chapter recently and, and 
email me and say, wow, I always knew horses were special. I didn't realize how special. And she's going to come out for a coaching session. You just, if, if those of you listening to this didn't catch the first episode that I did with Lauren or maybe any of the episodes in this entire podcast, <laughs> you actually do some of the coaching through horses, right? Like the horses actually partner with you in some of the Gestalt coaching. My horses are phenomenal Gestalt coaches. Mm, wow. Yes. And that then begs that you guys need to go listen to the rest of the episodes and read the books. <laughs> just get into the world of, <laughs> of that whole thing. Like um, horses and Gestalt coaching is incredible. So... Well, Lauren, thank you. I, I love this conversation. This was, this was special. And Thanks, Chris. I think it's important, it's needed, and it's on the minds of people right now. And this is a very, very practical and real and safe way to, make, to move the needle in, in that conversation. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Okay. Take care. Until next time, see ya. Thanks, Chris.